0: I think that's probably the first thing that people should do when they get off of this podcast is to start jotting down their goals. And they don't have to be big goals. I talk about goals in several stages. What are my immediate goals? What are some things I want to do? I want to network with some people. Okay, what's my short-term goal? I'm going to Put them on my Google alert and look to see what they're doing already. What are my longer term goals? I'm going to follow them on social media and I'm going to add something to what they say. What are my long term goals? I'm going to befriend them and maybe buy them coffee and get to know them so that they can be my mentor or I can be there.
1: Welcome to a new season of Start Right Here where I talk to Pop beauty pros about breaking into beauty, standing out, and defining success for themselves. I'm your host, Corinne Corbett, and I'm OG beauty director turned consultant, but I'm also a dot connector who links others with people, ideas, and information. And I do this show because I am an advocate for creating an equitable, inclusive beauty industry. And this show is one way to bring you the information if you want to take a seat at the table or build one of your own. Let's get started with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Start Right Here, where we delve into the practical aspects of building your beauty career or your entrepreneurial journey. Today, we're going to talk about figuring out your goals. And before you do that, you have to figure out what you want. And today we're going to talk about assessing your future and how to make a path forward with one of my favorite people. Marsha Haygood is a success strategist and leadership development speaker and expert. She is the co-author of The Little Black Book of Success, Laws of Leadership for Black Women, along with Elaine Merrill-Brown, and Rhonda Jerry McLean. When I thought of these bonus episodes, the first person I wanted to have on here was Marsha because she always has excellent insights. And when we initially talked about it, I thought we were going to talk about networking, but she touched on one of the things that she sees many of us struggling with when we try to figure out what we want to do next with our careers. So I'm excited to talk to Marsha about figuring out what's next. Welcome, Marcia.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's always so great to speak to you, and I just love talking about career strategies. My goal, the legacy that I want to leave, is to work with predominantly women of color who want to be both happy and successful. We've run into so many challenges, both personally and professionally, And also, our self-limiting beliefs, because we've been dealing with microaggressions and systematic racism and just day-to-day challenges, that i like to bring it back to saying that we are worth far more than even we give ourselves credit for. So, talking about success strategies for me is my joy in life. You know, I've been through the mill of working in corporate America with people who don't like you. You know, you're working harder when you're not getting paid your worth. And I tell you, as difficult as that may be, it teaches you some lessons. It teaches you what not to do when you could back away from being emotional and being strategic about what you want in life. So it first starts with saying, What is it that you want? What does success look like for you? And so often I am talking to, again, predominantly women that say, I want to be successful. And then I say, well, what does that look like for you? Articulate your success. And they're stuck. And I say we owe it to ourselves to think about what we want and how we're going to get it. So today we're going to talk about getting
1: unstuck. But first, let's tell the audience a little bit about your background and your career journey and how you became a successful strategist and leadership development expert. So where did you start and how did you pivot into this?
0: My corporate career was in human resources. And I started out at the entry level mark out of college, starting in human resources, saying, I like people and I want to help people kind of thing. And although I always had that in mind, working in the corporate arena, and I worked primarily in entertainment where everybody has an ego and everybody thinks they know more than you, that I had to learn, again, strategy. And it's the number one thing that I think everyone has to learn is how to listen and what to listen for. Because everything that someone says to you is a clue. It's either a clue how to help them or a clue how to strategize to get around them.
1: (laughs) 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 And that second part is so important because we do have to learn that skill and no one tells you that you need to learn that skill.
0: That's right. And so often just in life, we listen to talk, not listen to learn. So when you can stop and back up and listen to learn, you will automatically move forward in some way. So either to help them or to move around them so that you can help yourself is important. It's important. Yeah. How did you move from
1: HR in entertainment to becoming a career strategist?
0: Well, you know, I always knew that I wanted to work with people who look like me. And when I was working in the entertainment industry, I was one of the only in a senior level position. I was the executive vice president of human resources and administration. And I really saw people making some avoidable mistakes. And I said, you know, in human resources, you can't always tell people what they should do that's going to get them out of trouble because you want to work with people and you want to help people, but you also have to protect the company. So you're always straddling that line, which in itself teaches you strategy. So I started doing coaching, working with people outside of my company that didn't work for the company to sort of help them, listening to what they were going through and helping them. And I did that as a career coach, as my side hustle for many years, thinking, let me build up the credibility to uh, do it on my own. And I did that for several years and then had enough confidence to actually give my company six months notice and start my own company. And when I did that, I gave him six months notice. It allowed me to kind of spread my wings a little more while I was still working and under contract. And, When I started my company, Stepwise Associates, I had a waiting list. Corinne, March will be 18 years. (laughs) And I have not looked back. That's amazing. First, to be able
1: to give a company six months' notice and they let you do that. (laughs) And then, secondly, to build the groundwork. I think this is a really important lesson for people who want to be entrepreneurs to set the groundwork for your business. Before you jump, I mean, you want to have a waiting list. You want to have potential customers before you leave your regular steady job, if at all possible. That's not always possible. But if you can, then
0: that is an ideal way to set things up. Well, let me go back and tell you something about that, though. Because when I say I gave six months' notice, I was under contract. So my six months' notice wasn't, oh, I'm going to start my own company. The six months' notice was, I'm not signing another contract. So it's a little bit different than, okay, I'm leaving you because I'm going to do this. It's that I'm not signing another contract. Let me help you find my replacement, which I did. That's
1: great. Now, you co-authored one of the most successful leadership guides for Black women, The Little Black Book of Success. Let's talk about how many printings this book has had so far.
0: <laughs> oh. Holy. the book is going into its 13th year. We have sold well over 60,000 copies of the book. And it was published by Random House. And that was a whole story in itself. And Random House has now contacted us to write another book. So we are in the midst of doing that as well. So side note, if you have never
1: picked up a copy of Little Back Book of Success, this is the gift that keeps on giving as a book. I mean, it is relevant today and will be relevant in the future. And that's why it continues to sell. And Marsha did this along with Ronda Joy McLean and Elaine Merrill Brown, three powerhouses in business, period. And who offer the guidance that we wish we would have had when they were starting out. They wish they probably had it. And people who are veterans in their industries all still kind of turn to that because It still offers guidance to anybody at every level of their career.
0: I still go back and reread it.
1: (laughs) Mine is on my bedside table, I will tell you. What do you attribute its longevity to, though?
0: I think it's relevant. I think that the fact that it's a book that we wish we had, and it's a book that tells people that you are not alone. Oftentimes when we're running into these issues, we think we're the only ones. It's that terrible boss we have. Well, a lot of people have terrible bosses. It's that company that's not doing what they're supposed to do. Well, a lot of people work for those companies. But when you can put it into place and say, look, first of all, you're not alone. Second of all, there is help or guidance out there. It's your network. And we'll talk about networking. And then, you know, at the end of every chapter of this book, we do a couple of bullet points that we call mama-isms. And we say those mama-isms oftentimes are things that our mothers or our grandmothers or our big sisters told us, but they didn't put it quite in the perspective that we needed. I laugh when I look at, you know, when my mother used to say, don't you come out of that room until you fix your face. What she was saying is put your neutral face on it. Everybody doesn't have to know what you're thinking. Well, we didn't know it like that. So we got to work and somebody pissed us off and our face got just like it used to It was when we were angry. Sometimes you have to put on that neutral face. I think one of the things that we are learning now and we hear now that we didn't hear before is that we have to know our why. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you have to listen. You have to pay attention to the people who are in the room and you have to know why you're in the room and what you want to get out of it. And, you know, people always start off with saying, I'm doing this because I want to get money. But I dare say money is only the motivator on payday. And those days that are not paydays, what's going to motivate you to go in and give it your best shot?
1: So let's, let's talk a little bit about mindset. If we're talking about a successful career journey, Where do we need to begin from a mindset point of view? a
0: couple of things. I like to say, you can get selfish here. This is where you can really be selfish. What is it that I want? Why do I want it? And what am I willing to sacrifice to get it? Okay, three essential questions. So
1: say them again. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like
1: that's three essential
0: questions if you have to answer. Yes. What do I want? Why do I want it? And what am I willing to sacrifice to get it? So if I say success is to leave a legacy, I say, why do you want to leave a legacy? You need to be able to say why. Because I want to help women be recognized and gain more visibility and all of that stuff. And what am I willing to sacrifice to get it? I'm willing to sacrifice not working at a corporate job where I'm going to make millions of dollars to do something that's going to feed my soul so that I can be happy all the time. The what, the why, and the how.
1: The what, the why, how. Yes, I love that. There are a lot of people who believe I'm going to try everything all at once, throw it up on a wall and see what sticks. Why is that not the best strategy in terms of approaching your career?
0: Well, you know what? I think that people will try it anyway, so I don't want to say don't try that. If that works for you, because otherwise, as a coach, I have learned not to tell people what to do, but to offer some suggestions or options. So the option would be, have you done that already, and has it worked for you? Usually, the answer is no. (laughs) Okay? But you have to try it, because otherwise, you think that you're going to be different and it's going to work for you. That's one. But I also say, why not start off with what brings you joy already? I say to people when they say, I hate my job, I say, well, what made you go there? What made you think that that job was going to be the big thing that you wanted? And they need to be able to explain that. I said, well, what did you like about it? Was it working outside? Was it working inside? Was it working in warm weather? Was it working in cold weather? Were you working around a lot of people? Were you working solo? Were you working with a computer? Were you working doing something with tools? What is it? And when you can get that granular with the things that you enjoy all your life, up until the point we're having that conversation, I say, let's put all of those things down that you enjoy. Let's document all those things that you enjoy. So if you're going to go and try something and hope that it sticks, how many of these things does it include? And you say, one, I say, that's probably going to be a problem. If you say, ooh, this hits all of that, except I'm going to have to move to a different state, I say, ooh, that might be the sacrifice part, you know? So here's the what, here's the why.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that it brings to mind, do you like the concept or the idea of something or the actuality of it? That's right. Do I like the idea of being in the beauty industry because I don't know what it takes? Or do I know enough about what a particular job is to say I want to follow that course?
0: You know, and if you say that you want to follow that course, then I say, who do you know that's doing that? I talk about networking a lot because I think it's an opportunity that's often missed. But I think you have to think of who's doing what I think I want to do or who's doing what I know I want to do and how can I learn from them. I research people all the time, (laughs) all the time, because I want to know what brought them to the point that they're at that I'm admiring them. You know, have they stuck with it? Have they said no? Can I give them a call? Can I follow them on social media? Can I Google them? I said, Google is your friend. Can I put them on my Google alert or my talk walker alert so that when something happens with them, it gives me the opportunity to reach out to them? And I like to say this when so often I see people there just putting stuff on social media, and you're following them, but all you're hitting is the like button. That's not a real connection. It's a connection when you can say, you know, I liked what you said because this falls right into my values or my opinion. Love to talk to you more about it. Very different from like button.
1: Right. So that is one of the ways then you can build a network that you're looking at people you admire, people who are doing the work that you want to do and gauging whether they are approachable, but in the same way, finding ways to engage with them organically more than strategically with your goal in mind, not trying to make a genuine connection. So there's a difference. Can we talk a little bit about that, like intent in terms of networking? So that's the foundational point of networking. What is the intent someone should
0: have when they're building their network? A couple of things. I think that people you admire, that's an easy one. People who have already helped you, that's an easy one. People who you want to meet a little more strategic. And so I start off with this sort of block of questions. Who do you need to know? And who needs to know you? So who do you know? Think about wherever you are in your circumstances right now. Who do you know who has Helped you, given you a piece of advice, sent you an article, done anything, anything. And when's the last time you spoke to them? You know me, Corinna. I will call people and say, I just thought about you and just wanted to say hello. I want to keep a connection going. I don't need anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I'm never going to make my first contact with you and ask. But I might end the conversation with, is there anything that I can do to support you? I'm going to tell you right now, more than half the people that you talk to can't come up with an answer to that. (laughs) So it's not like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be overwhelmed. I'm so busy now. I'm just going to be more busy if I ask them. They usually can't, but it's a nice way to say I'm open to it. And maybe you can. Maybe it's something small. So that's the who do you know? say thank you. Say thank you to people who have helped you along the way. Who do you need to know? Those people who you admire, who you haven't yet met or don't know well, and what can you do to get to know them better? That's where you're looking at all your alerts are, your Googles are. When we were in corporate America, I'd like to go to people's office rather than them coming to me. Now, I might be the more senior person, and I've heard this a million times. I'm not going to their office. I'm the more senior person. Let them come to me. It's like, no, I want to go to their office because I want to know, do they have art on the wall? Do they have children or dog? What's their favorite color? What did they do on vacation? Because they have a picture in the front of their desk. Whatever it is, I'm going to learn something about them. And if they say something like, just came back from or getting ready to go to Italy because I love Italian food and it's going to be great. If you think that I'm not going to come back and Google an Italian recipe <laughs> that I could say to them, <laughs> that I could say to them, I thought this recipe and I thought of you. You mentioned that you love Italian food. I'm done with that conversation, by the way. But guess what? I'm sticking in the head. You say, wow, she was not only listening, but she took the time to do this. That's how you make connections. So, that's who do I need to know? And who needs to know you? Because someone says, you know what, we're looking for a speaker on such and such and such. And they say, I know somebody because I was just talking to Marsha. Yes. So, who do you know? Who do you need to know? And who needs to know you should be the basis. For your network.
1: Yeah. So there's networking and then there's mentor mentee relationships. Yeah. Sometimes people are not clear on how you establish that. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I wanted to bring it up because both in the case of networking, when people who need to know you and mentors, you might be asked what your goals are. So I want to go back to goals so that when you start to establish this stuff, you have an answer for them. That's exactly right. And you do need to have an answer for them. You have to have an answer. Don't start the networking before you know what you want.
0: (laughs) You know what? I think that's probably the first thing that people should do when they get off of this podcast is to start jotting down their goals and they don't have to be big goals i talk about goals in several stages what are my immediate goals what are some things i want to do i want to network with some people okay what's my short-term goal i'm gonna put them on my google alert and look to see what they're doing already what are my longer term goals i'm gonna follow them on social media and i'm gonna add something to what they say what are my long-term goals I'm going to befriend them and maybe buy them coffee and get to know them so that they can be my mentor or I can be there. Because I ask people who ask me, first of all, I don't think you can ask people to be your mentor because they're busy and they're doing things. People will automatically mentor you when they like you and they see you and they respect you. So you have to put yourself in that spot. But I can tell you when I do mentor someone. I also ask them who they've mentored. And guess what? A lot of them will tell you oh I was just too busy. Like well what did you think I was doing (laughs) sitting around? (laughs) It's like live
1: what you seek. Ooh, Say that again. Live what you seek. That's deep. Live what you seek. Yeah. In other words don't talk about it be about it.
0: That's exactly it.
1: If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the Start Right Here podcast and leave a review. Also, you can sign up for our mailing list at TheBeRoundTable.com, so you will be on the know about all the good things coming. In terms of establishing your goals, so we talked about short-term, long-term, but when we talk about career goals, let's talk a little bit about sacrifice before we go to the mentor situation. So willingness to sacrifice something
0: what does that mean that means if you want to be the best at something that you're going to have to give up your time sometimes you're not going to get paid for what you do and that you have to be willing to share something it's not a one-way street so if I say you know what I want to make this much money by the end of the year, then I can't be sitting home just watching television. I have to be doing something to make that money. That's the sacrifice. And I might be tired. We're going to have to work hard for what we want. And you know what? It determines how much you want it, by how much you're willing to give up to get it.
1: I think that's very, very true. I had a guest, Melissa Hubert, who was on a couple of episodes ago, and she talked about her move from corporate to entrepreneurship, how she traded in her luxury car for a more practical car, didn't buy any clothes for a year, like just said, okay, for me to get back to where I was and the salary I was, I had to operate differently. So if you want to get somewhere different in your career, I think similarly, you have to operate differently. And sacrifice, you have to factor in the sacrifices that you're willing to make. I think it's challenging when you look on social media and everybody seems to be a boss and all dressed up. But you know what? If you're really, really working for a goal, you are working hard and it's not always pretty.
0: And guess what? The people who are always on social media telling you that and showing you that, that's not true. (laughs) Don't believe them. Don't believe them. Don't believe them for a moment. But I say, when I got ready to leave the corporate arena, Several things that I thought about, I had to come up with what frightened me about leaving the corporate arena. What frightened me? You know, my paycheck was pretty good. You know, my title was pretty good. I had good perks. You know, all of those things. And so money is usually one of them. Not because you're being greedy, but, you know, you need to eat and pay the bills and do all of those things. So the first thing that I say is money is something that worries you you're not going to make the money to eat that's very different but you know does everyone have to have 125 channels on their television no do they have to have uh, 30 pair of shoes in their closet no so one of the things that I did was bought one of those big clothing racks and I stopped shopping for a year a year I stopped shopping. And what I would do is I would take things out of my closet and hang it on the rack. And all of a sudden you'd say, Oh, I forgot about that jacket. Oh, that jacket goes with those pants. Oh, I forgot about that blouse. I made new outfits from what was already in my closet. So the sacrifice was no shopping for a year. And then I started to put more money away. So that I'd have more money if I wasn't going to make money when I started to be an entrepreneur. Because you don't come out of corporate America and become an entrepreneur and automatically become wealthy. doesn't quite happen like that. You're the CEO in the morning and you're the janitor in the evening. And you might not have gotten paid for either one of those jobs.
1: This is so true. This is very, very true. <laughs> And this is also true, the money thing, when you want to pivot careers. So people who want to pivot into beauty that have not had the opportunity to work in it, and they may be giving up a salary that they had in their previous career for something less. But if you really want it, are you willing to sacrifice that is the
0: question. Yeah. And, you know, most people say, I'm not going to take a cut in pay. And I'm saying, you know what? then you're not willing to sacrifice what you make. You may not have to take a cut and pay. But guess what? Do you even know how much money you need that's going to sustain you? So when people tell me they want to make a change, if they have not made a budget, I tell them, let's make a real budget. Let's make a real budget. Because there are certain things that you can do. There's probably some money that you're spending that you say, Oh, I didn't know it cost that much because you have it on auto pay or do I really need that anymore? And do I have to have that anymore? So you get real. And when you get real, there are some things that you can cut down and you may not be able to cut down a lot, but if you're going to take a cut and pay, at least you know what you're taking a cut and pay and it's not going to make you miss a meal. So you have to get real with that. That's the sacrifice. Yeah, that's a real sacrifice.
1: Oh, want to talk about living our best lives. So what hinders us from living our best lives?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. A couple of things that come to mind right off the bat. Limiting self-belief, lack of planning, fear, it's uncomfortable, not wanting to step out of your comfort zone, wondering what people are going to say, and other people's opinions. I was an executive vice president at a major entertainment company. When there's no comma, nothing behind the comma behind your name, they are going to be some people who you will never talk to again. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> you must be ready for that. And it takes some preparation. You don't say it today and then tomorrow you're okay. I had four or five things that frightened me. Money was one. I could prepare for that. That's the clothing on the rack and the no more shopping. Benefits was another one because benefits are very expensive. And you don't know how much they cost if you've been working in the corporate arena because you're just used to going to the doctor and then showing your insurance card. You have to go to the doctor because self-care is so vitally important. So I said before you quit your job, go to the doctor and have all your physical First of all, but when you go this time, find out how much things cost because you don't know what a mammogram costs. All you know is you gave your insurance card. You don't know what other things that you get done, your blood work costs because you've been given an insurance card. Find out what those things cost because that's part of your budgeting. And then you decide whether I want to buy a full medical plan, pretty expensive, but doable or whether I'm going to self-fund going to the doctor and just buy a major medical plan in case I get hit by a bus. There's a difference in cost. So you want to plan that out. That's part of the planning process. So money, benefits. The third thing for me was technology. I don't do it well. I don't understand it. I don't particularly like it. And it's not going away. It's only gotten to be more. So I can't dump it, so I either have to learn how to do it or pay and delegate it. So, do it, dump it, or delegate it. Which one am I going to do? And I said, I have to delegate it. So, how much is that going to cost me? Part of my budget, again. So, that's that. The next one was giving up some perks. Man, I had some great perks. You know, I'm in the entertainment industry. I'm flying first class. I'm going to the Oscars. I'm talking to the stars. Gone. (laughs) (laughs) Gone. All of that, gone. No more first class. Now back in the back again. Plane got me the same place, but I'm not flying in the same section anymore. Not when I'm starting out in my company. You might get there later, but you're not going to be there immediately. So that was another one. I had to be ready for that. That's a psyche. That's a mindset. And then just know that some people who you always thought were your friends, you just never hear from again. Yeah, got
1: to be okay with that.
0: That's a hard one, but it's a real one. It's a real one. You have to be
1: okay with that. So knowing the difference between an industry acquaintance and a friend. That's right. (laughs) Exactly right. True for entertainment. And very, 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 very true for beauty. And similarly, in beauty from the editorial side, getting free product and going to all those nice restaurants and press trips was a hard thing to let go of. But (laughs) it's hard, 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 difficult. There again is sacrifice. Exactly, exactly. But it is understanding if this is truly your goal, then it'll be worth it in the end because then you're replacing it with the things that you want. So this is when we're talking about living our best life. Our best life may not have been those perks, even though we like them.
0: That's exactly right. And I have to just say something. I just thought of this just now. I read a book, which I love, a little skinny book, and it's called God on a Harley. And it's about this woman who talks about wanting to do something more. She wants a better life. And she meets this guy who says to her, well, why aren't you doing it? And she says, you know, because I live in this great building. I live in this apartment building that has a gym and a pool and it's on the water and a... I just love it. And he says, when's the last time you went to that pool? And she said, well, I haven't been to the pool because I've been working too hard. He said, do you like your job? And she was like, not really, but I go there. And he said, well, when's the last time you've been to the this? And he starts asking her all the things that she's saying. And he finally says, what do you really want to do? And she says, I really want to live on the beach. He said, quit the job, find a job by the beach and go to the beach. And you don't have to be in that building with the pool that you never go to and the gym that you haven't been to and looking at the lake that you haven't looked at because you're working all day. So by the time you get home, it's dark and you can't see the lake anyway. All of this. And it's God telling her, come on, you can live your best life. You are what's keeping you from living your best life. Right. So a lot of us
1: are standing in our own way.
0: All the time. All the time.
1: By not like digging deep in terms of looking at what we want. So we have the goals and we have the career goals and companies that we're looking at. What are the best ways to approach a job shift if you want to change? Pivot.
0: Oh, I love this question because people don't think of it, And this goes right back to my human resource days. I think that if you're not going in the entrepreneur arena and you're going to go for another job, that you should research the same way you research people. You should research, I say, five to ten companies. Five to ten. This is a lot of work. This one is a lot of work. So you research five to ten companies that you really want to work for, and you apply to the company, talking about some things you've learned about the company, like looking at their mission statement, using some of those words, hearing what some of the senior people at their company do or what they say, putting that in a letter and sending it to the, I say, the department that you're interested in. And I also like sending it higher than that. So it might be the CEO. CEO used to bring me down resumes and said, I got this resume, but why don't you see them? It looks pretty good. And you don't apply for the job when a job is open only. You apply to the company that you want to work for before the job is open. You want to know why? Because when the job is open, then you have to fit every one of the requirements, one, and two, they're in a rush, and you got all of these competitors applying for the job, too. When you just send the resume and say, I'd love to have an exploratory interview with you, I may have some free time and call you in because your resume looks good. I don't have a job for you, but your resume looks good, so I'll see you anyway. I say you do that with five or 10 companies you really want to work for, you will be working for one of them. I guarantee it.
1: <laughs> that's great. So you have to be willing to sacrifice that time and that research, do the work. And that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. So if you want to switch careers, it's not going to be an easy, and I've been talking in several of these bonus episodes about the pivot and the challenge in the pivot, but I think that this is some practical groundwork that you can do in your downtime if you have downtime
0: to build. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Not when you have downtime. You always have downtime. You're just doing something else that you thought was more important. (laughs) When this becomes important, you will do it. When it becomes important enough to you, trust me, you have time. Yes,
1: that's very, very true.
0: So you do that. And then what is the
1: key to accessing your network for introductions? Without seeming kind of overzealous and kind of crossing boundaries.
0: I'm real careful not to ask my network necessarily to do an introduction for me if they don't know me well enough. To lay their chips on the line for me, you know, to lay their reputation on the line. But I also think that so often what we don't do is tell people clearly what we're looking for. So when you can say, I am looking for a position in the beauty industry. I love this particular product and I'd love to be able to share with these people something that I learned about it because this is really important to me. This is an important goal of mine. When you do that, you haven't asked them for anything other than saying, so if you know of anyone like that, please just keep me in mind. Rather than, can you introduce me to Corinne because she's in the beauty industry and I want to be on her podcast so I can tell people what I know? Nope. (laughs) You want to do it a different way. And some things will come to you and some things won't. But then those same people that you're sharing that information with should be able to see how important it is to you. So, if you say, I want to be in the beauty industry, but then you always look like a rag doll, they're not going to introduce you to the people they know. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Or if
1: you look like you're collecting people just for the sake. I mean, that is a pet peeve of mine for folks who collect other people just to have them in their stable because it looks good for them. It's not genuine. So, that bothers me. Absolutely. But when we talk about success. We talked about what hindered it. How do we need to reframe our thoughts around success? Because I think that a lot of times when we thought successful, we thought title, money. But can you offer some tips on reframing success for our audience?
0: Mm-hmm. The thing that comes to mind right away for me, and you know, i am tell you, I feel like I'm living my best life, is being happy. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the happy factor, though. Yeah, I want to be happy and joyful because when I can do that, when I can be happy, joyful, grateful for things, and that's part of it. Part of being happy is going back and looking at the things that you are blessed with that you haven't even given thought to. And it's funny because I heard a pastor no longer alive, who said years ago, and I quote this often, if you can't be grateful for what you have, be thankful for what you avoided. Because it could have been a lot different. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So I say start there. What makes you happy? What brings you joy? And you can't be joyful if you're around a whole bunch of negative people who are always talking about who did them wrong. So right away, I'm saying when I'm talking about who you know and who you need to know, it may be time to purge some people. And guess what? Some of those people that you're purging may be family. And guess what? What are you willing to sacrifice? You just have to. You just have to. But you need to be selfish with your self-care. Ha,
1: that is a beautiful thing just thinking about that. So happiness, selfish with your self-care. You
0: cannot give from an empty cup. You can't, you don't have it. So you want to think about those things that bring you joy and you want to, and I say this often, I put up four fingers and I say, take time to think. Sometimes we're so busy being busy not productive, we're just busy being busy, that we haven't given thought to some key questions. What makes us happy? What does success look like? Where do I want to be a year from now? What are some of the barriers that have kept me from getting what I want? Who are those people who give me joy? Who are those people who take it away? These are key questions that we don't need anybody with us. To do, and I'm almost sure, Corinne, that you were on my list two years ago. Yes, I was. Because every July, I do a self-assessment. Every two years, I've been doing it for about 11 or 12 years, I actually send out a little questionnaire, and that questionnaire says, what do you think my strengths are? What do you see as my strengths? What do you see are things that I need to improve? What what do you you know what are the what are the adjectives that you use to describe me? What are some things you think I could do differently? And I send it out to people, and these are not just people I work with. I send it to family members. I send it to my next door neighbor. Get feedback, and then there's no argument about it. There's no dispute about it. You just hear what people have to say, because that gives you some thought process around what could be possible. Blind spots. People say work on those weaknesses and get better. I don't necessarily agree with that. I say work on your strengths so that they become so damn strong nobody can negate them. And then don't get good at what you have no business doing.
1: Listen, can you say something more about that? Because that reminds me of so much of the big leap and the genius zone and your zone of incompetence. You know? <laughs> Like, why are you in the zone of incompetence and competence? Why are you working there? Why are you staying there? You might need to be there. I mean, the idea that there are things for all of us that we are just not good at and understanding that we are not good at that and being okay with that. That is what delegation is for when necessary, if that's part of your job, or that is what kind of like advanced learning, continuing education is for if you want to get good at it.
0: Absolutely. But you can't just sit where you've always been and expect that you're just going to move forward naturally. I used to say this to people working in human resources when they said, I want a promotion or I want to raise or I want to be the boss because I've been here for this amount of time. Say, yeah, you got a paycheck for all that time you were here. That doesn't mean you're a good boss. That doesn't mean you warrant a promotion. It means you came to work and you got paid for coming to work. What you're going to show that's different.
1: Right. So that goes back to you have to have a goal and you have to know what you want.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to be able to demonstrate it. Yes.
1: It may seem simple to a lot of people, but this practical advice is really, really helpful when you're just in the midst of a career crisis and you're trying to figure out what you're doing next. So you can't go after the mentor if you have not asked yourself
0: these fundamental questions. So develop some fundamental questions and then answer them. Truthfully. Truthfully. You don't have to share them with anybody. They're yours. But they should help develop your mindset. And so often we think because we've never done it before, we can't. Or because we're the only that we don't want to. Sometimes someone has to start the process. So if you really have the desire, you know, that's your why, then I say go for it. Try it. And guess what? Even if you fail, you will learn something from it. But we have to, we must take some prudent risk to be successful.
1: And that's where we got to end it. Be willing to take some risk, because nobody's going to come rescue you. Well, Marsha, I can't thank you enough for this conversation. I think it would be so helpful, not just for people who are in beauty, who want to be in beauty, but people who are looking to change careers, to try entrepreneurship. It is a framework to move forward and get out of your comfort zone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Karina. I share these kinds of tips when I send out newsletters and stuff. So people who are interested should join my mailing list. It's my name, marishahaygood.com. Join my mailing list. I send these tips out all the time. And something may spark you. You may not have gotten it on here, but you'll hear something or see something on my newsletter that says, oh, I could try that or whatever. And I think that people should do that. That's, again, another way to network. Right. So your
1: newsletter is sign up on Washahago.com. Where can people follow you
0: on social? On LinkedIn, they follow me by my name again. On Instagram, it's Ask Marsha H. And if you couldn't remember any of that and you only remember my name, Google me. It'll tell you all of those things. It'll tell you. Yeah, find her here and find her there. I put out what I think and what I hear. And my goal, my personal goal is to help people be as happy and as successful as I have been. I've been blessed. So I'd love to be able to bless others by
1: sharing these tips and strategies. That's a wonderful goal.
0: But lastly, let's not
1: forget the book, The Little Black Book of Success. And where can people get that book?
0: On Amazon, The Little Black Book of Success, Laws of Leadership for Black Women, and the companion workbook. The Little Black Book gives you pointers. You know, it starts off. Always consider yourself a VIP. Know that there's a game and accept that you must play. What other people have to say, you know, it's those things. It's 40 laws of leadership. And that talks about things. And then the workbook says, oh, have you experienced this? How did you handle it? Now that you know, would you still handle it the same way? What would you do differently? So a mentor in your pocket is the book. And your personal call to action is the workbook. Yeah. So Marsha
1: has not only given us some tips, she's also given us some tools that we can use. Her newsletter, the book. So avail yourself of any and all of these things if you're serious about finding success and whatever that means for you. Thanks again, Marsha.
0: Thank you so much. It was great talking to you.
1: That's our show for today. Follow Start Right Here on Instagram at start underscore right underscore here underscore podcast and check out the last word newsletter for my latest musings on beauty and inclusion.